Now today's story is a little bit different. While it is a true crime story, it's also a little bit of a love story. Now it's not the Nicholas Sparks, the notebook kind of love story, but it is a love story nonetheless. I'm your host, Coy Atkins, and this is the story of the 2015 Clinton Correctional Prison Escape slash love story. The Clinton Correctional Facility is a maximum security prison that holds close to 3,000 prisoners. It's located about three and a half hours west of New York City in the village of Dannemora, which is in Clinton County, New York. It opened in 1845 and has held some of the most violent and ruthless criminals, including serial killers, rapists, and kidnappers. But in 2015, it would be known for something completely different. On June 6, 2015, the correctional officers began doing their routine headcount at 5.30 in the morning. This is when they realized that there were two dummies in bed, dressed in sweatshirts, rather than the prisoners, Richard Matt and David Sweat. And in the prison cell, there was a hole cut in the back of the wall. Richard and David slipped through the hole, climbed down the multiple catwalks, and then made their way through a sewer system and came out of a manhole that was just outside the prison walls. Now, it seems odd that two prisoners in a maximum security prison would be able to get the tools to carve a hole into a concrete wall and then a steel plate behind that concrete wall. So, how did this happen? And I promise, we're going to get to all of that. But, the beginning of any love story, you've got to know a little bit about the characters. So, here's a little bit about how Richard and David ended up in the Clinton Correctional Facility. Richard was born... June 25th, 1966, in New York. In 1997, Richard and an accomplice of his, Lee Bates, kidnapped Richard's former boss, William Rickerson, who was 72 years old. Richard believed that William had access to a large sum of money, and he and Lee wanted that money. Richard put William in the trunk of his car and drove around with him in there for 24 hours. He would stop at various places and torture William in order to try and get the location of the money. But after the 24 hours, he ended up killing William by breaking his neck with his bare hands. He then dismembered William's body and threw it into a river. After the murder, Richard fled New York, and he actually ended up fleeing the country, and he went to Mexico. Then, on February 20th, 1998, Richard struck again. Richard met a man at a bar named Charles Pierrot, who was an American engineer working at a factory in Mexico. Charles went to the restroom at the bar. Richard followed him in there and then stabbed him in the back nine times in order to rob him of $300. Richard tried to flee the scene, but the police caught him. And a court in Mexico found Richard guilty and sentenced him to 23 years in prison. Meanwhile, back in the United States, Richard's partner in crime, Lee Bates, was captured. Lee decided that it was in his best interest to cooperate with prosecutors in exchange for a lighter sentence. He gave all of the details about how everything was Richard's idea. This eventually led Richard to be charged for the murder in New York, but he was 
currently being held in Mexico on the murder charges there, so they were just waiting on his sentence to be finished up in Mexico, and then he was going to be charged for the murders in New York. The escape of the Clinton Correctional Facility, it's actually impressive. It's a maximum security prison, a place you wouldn't think would be escapable, but I don't think anything else should have been expected from Richard, because he had a bit of practice at escaping places. When he was 13 years old, Richard was placed in a group home after stealing a houseboat. He escaped that group home and he was later caught hiding in a park at night. In 1986, Richard was sentenced to a year in a county jail in New York for an assault charge. Richard escaped that jail, hopped on a train that he took to his brother's house, and then he was captured at his brother's house. In 2007, Richard almost escaped the prison in Mexico. He made it into the roof, but then he was shot by a guard. And apparently, this was actually one of the factors that led Mexico to go ahead and extradite Richard to the United States so that he could stand trial for the New York charges. Because they said that he was just a difficult prisoner to deal with. Once his trial was over in the United States, he was convicted and sentenced to the Clinton Correctional Facility. Now, for David Sweat, his story is a little bit different. He wasn't quite the escape artist, but he was just as dangerous. While creating a life of crime, David was a planner. Starting in his teenage years, he would make a list of businesses or people that he planned to rob. And one of the lists he even made while he was sitting in jail when he was 17 years old, doing time for a burglary. Instead of an ad, I'm going to do something a little bit different. This podcast was started a little over a year ago, and I just want to say thank you to everyone who has taken time to listen to this. I'm blown away by seeing the downloads and where it's been downloaded at all over the world, and I can't even begin to say how grateful I am for everyone. From talking and sharing stories with people on Facebook and Instagram, I am very grateful, and I'm excited to see what this next year brings to this podcast and the community around it. So thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast that I honestly didn't think it would make it past two episodes when I first started. Now, back to this episode. So, now we know what crimes led David and Richard to prison. We know that they escaped by cutting a hole in the wall, going through tunnels and out of manhole. That was a block away. But how did that actually happen? David and Richard were placed on the honor block of the prison. In this area, they were allowed to leave their cells pretty much whenever they wanted throughout the day. The two quickly became friends and requested to have their cells next to each other, which was arranged for them. The pair then befriended two other people that would become crucial in their escape. But they weren't inmates, they were employees. One was a prison guard of 27 years, Eugene Palmer, and the other was a woman who ran the tailor shop, Joyce Mitchell. Over the years of David and Richard being in the prison, Palmer became very close with them, especially Richard. Richard even made promises to Palmer that if any inmate ever harmed him, Richard would kill them. David and Richard also happened to both be very good painters. They would make these canvas paintings and would give them to Palmer. These would be landscape paintings or even paintings of his family. 
Palmer would bring in photographs for them to make into a painting. But this wasn't necessarily them being nice, this was them using Palmer. When Palmer would escort them from the tailor shop back to their cells, he would take them a different way than what normal prisoners went, where they didn't have to go through a metal detector. He would also warn them when guards were preparing to search cells. He was the one who even made the arrangement to have David and Richard placed next to each other. And if all of that wasn't enough, he allowed them to have access to the catwalks that were the tunnels that they used to escape. And he brought them food, which had the escape tools hidden in them. So this answers the question of what some people would do for a nice piece of art. They would assist two murderers in escaping prison to have a good painting to hang on their wall. Now, let's see what someone would do for love. Joyce Mitchell started working at the prison around 2008 as a seamstress. She was a supervisor in the tailor department where David and Richard worked. She worked with them a lot and became very close with them, especially Richard. She and Richard began having an affair in a tailor shop. Joyce was the one who brought the hacksaw to them, chisels, and other tools that they were used to tunnel out of their cell. So Joyce would bring the tools and then Palmer would hide the tools in the food, take them around the metal detectors where they got the tools into their jail cells. But Richard and Joyce had a plan. After all, they were in love. Richard wanted to be with her, but there was one problem. Joyce was married. Richard needed her husband out of the picture. Joyce wasn't only supplying the breakout tools. She was supposed to be the getaway driver. So there was discussion of having her husband killed. Richard even gave Joyce pills to slip her husband that would knock him out and then he could be murdered after he was passed out. Then came the night of the escape, the night that everything was supposed to happen. Joyce was going to slip her husband the pills and then go pick up Richard and David. But Joyce couldn't go through with it. She backed out at the last minute. I guess the thought of killing her husband and helping two murderers escape was just too much for her. Because she began having a panic attack, chest pains, and was hospitalized. When Richard and David came out of the manhole cover, they were expecting to see Joyce nearby with the getaway car. But when that didn't happen, they had to improvise and make a run for it. When the 5.30am bed check came around on June 6, 2015, Richard and David were nowhere in sight. Immediately, a manhunt was underway. Within hours, the FBI, ATF, Border Patrol, local cops, state police, forest rangers were all beginning their search. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police were setting them up on the border of Canada. And then, there was a $100,000 reward offered for each prisoner. Over the next several days, law enforcement officers flooded the area, searching woods, fields, going door-to-door, -door, talking to people in the community. Schools were shut down, roads were completely closed, and it was like something out of a movie. Then, on June 22nd, a citizen reported that there was a cabin in Franklin County that appeared to have been broken into. Franklin County is just west of Clinton County, and the north side of the county is the Canadian border. Law enforcement responded no one was located in the cabin at the time, but they did collect DNA evidence from inside the cabin that showed that David and Richard had been there. On June 26, Richard was spotted in Franklin County when he used a shotgun that he stole from a hunting cabin to shoot at the driver of an ATV. Border Patrol agents responded to the call about the shooting when they came across Richard. In a confrontation with the Border Patrol agents, Richard was shot and killed. At the time, David was not seen in the area. 
But two days later, on June 28, New York State Trooper Jay Cook was driving along the road in Constable, New York, about 16 miles from where Richard was killed, when he saw someone walking along the side of the road. As the trooper passed, he realized that the guy looked similar to David, and he immediately turned his car around to go back to the guy. When I was researching this, I couldn't help but feel so much of a similarity from this trooper driving and then the officer that David killed in 2002. Here you have an entire nation that's being updated daily on these two escaped prisoners. Schools are closed, communities are on high alert, hundreds of cops are in the area. What are the odds that you're just going to see this guy walking along the side of the road? And it's got to be pretty similar to the odds that Officer Kevin had when he was just driving home for dinner and saw something that caught his eye in the park. As the trooper turned around on David, David immediately began running across a hayfield toward a wood line. The trooper began chasing him, and it started to look like David was going to get away. So from 73 yards, the trooper drew his handgun, and he shot David. David survived the shooting, and when he was caught, he was a mile and a half from the Canadian border. After being caught, David spoke with investigators about the entire incident. He told them about how they were able to escape from the prison, how they even practiced their escape. The cabin that they broke into? He said that while they were in the cabin, three people showed up, but those three people never went inside. David also claimed that at one point he was hiding in a hunting tree stand when a cop walked directly underneath him. On June 23rd, he and Richard split up. He claimed that Richard was out of shape and was slowing him down. David pleaded guilty to his escape and a few other charges. Not much change as he already had a life sentence, but a few extra years were added on to the life sentence. Since then, David has been moved around to a few different maximum security prisons. The prison guard, Eugene Palmer, well, he pleaded guilty to promoting prison contraband and he was sentenced to six months in jail with thousands of dollars worth of fines. As far as Joyce, well, she was sentenced to seven years in prison. She was granted an early release in February 2020 and fined almost $80,000. But back to the question, what would you do for love? In an article by Jeff Herbert with Syracuse.com, he laid out exactly what Joyce's husband was willing to do for love. After her affair plot to kill him and assisting convicted murderers with escaping from a maximum security prison, he just wanted his wife to be home. He thought that her prison sentence was too harsh, he remained married to her, and was still in love with her. And this brings us to a conclusion of this episode of Crime Nerds. Thank you for listening as always and if you could if you're listening on apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review if you're able to and be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to thank you